Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. My name is Angelica Yard. And I am Charisma O'Keefe. And we are here on Thursdays talking to you about entrepreneurship, business, balance, self-care, all those good things. Um, And you can always find us on the internet. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter, we are Heart Hustle Pod. Instagram and Facebook, we are Heart and Hustle Podcast. Um, give us your listener questions. Let us know what you're up to. We love when you guys share, you know, projects you're working on and things like that. So definitely keep sharing with us there um, and sending in those listener questions because we're going to be answering them at the top of episodes more often. Um, and it's just nice to see, you know, when you have wins or when you don't have wins and you need encouragement. Um, but yeah, it's nice to share because that is what makes uh, entrepreneurship bearable. <laughs> Yes, um, it's nice to talk to you human beings. Uh, We are in August and it's going and Charisma lives down the street again. I have not seen her, but my spirit knows that she is across the road. Yes, the spirit (laughs) knows. So for those of you who don't know, like we've kind of alluded to it before, but we haven't really like straight up stated it. Uh, John and I moved back to Orlando. Um, So the past year has just been like an absolute whirlwind. We moved to the DC area to keep him... Uh, as protected as possible during this pandemic, he was able to get vaccinated before he went back into the classroom, which is great. Um, didn't love that they didn't wait for spouses and families to get vaccinated before they sent people back in. But, you know, um, I guess we'll take what we can get. Um, but then he was actually offered a position down here from his old principal. What's cool is he was offered it like out of the blue. We didn't even know that it existed. But basically because of the nature of COVID and everything that's happened in classrooms last year, um, obviously a lot of kids have fallen behind. So what they've done is they've created this new position called an interventionalist teacher, at least in Orange County. Um, And I'm sure that lots of other counties are probably doing something similar, but it's an interventionalist educator essentially. And so they're going to be working with the students that are really far behind, have really struggled and need kind of either like one-on-one or small group instruction. Um, And then they're also going to work kind of as a liaison between, you know, administration, um, teachers, and, you know, uh, the school boards to kind of just help facilitate and make sure that like classroom teachers, regular classroom teachers have the tools that they need to um, get kids to the benchmarks that they're trying to get them to. So basically there to, you know, have an intervention because we're going through like, again, I hate to say it, but unprecedented times. Um, so that definitely affects our education system. And a lot of students are behind where they were anticipated that they would be at this time. So basically it's just a way to kind of like make sure that, you know, they can help kids as much as they can with everything that is continuing to still go on. So basically he's not a classroom teacher anymore. Um, and I'm pretty excited about that because the, the more time that he's not in the class, the better, uh, cause there's a lot of people in there. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he'll be working more with small groups and then one-on-one with teachers and, and that sort of thing. So we decided that we were going to make the move back when that offer came in. Um, and we are very happy to be back. I'll share more about the move and everything. We are still very much in the move. I am sitting in a completely empty room right now outside of like me, Valkyrie, my computer, like all my recording stuff and like a bottle of water. And then the rest of the room is completely empty. So that is where we're at right now. Um, yeah, moving from state to state, especially multiple states over 
is a lot of work. <laughs> uh, 10 out of 10 would not recommend doing it very often. 10 out of 10 would not recommend doing it during COVID unless you have like amazing movers. Um, so yeah, but I'm hoping that like, you know, by this time next week, things are a little bit more sorted out and, you know, as normal as they can be given everything. But yeah, it's, it's great to be back. I can actually look outside, you know, the windows from where we are and be like, oh, there's Angelica's neighborhood. Like we literally live yeah, across the street across from each other. Street. I saw somebody rollerblading from your neighborhood to the side of the street yeah, this morning. Yeah, it's so like, great. So cute. And it's funny because it's like, you know, it feels like a full circle moment because like shortly thereafter we first became friends, I moved into the next building over from you. Um, we lived on the other side of Celebration at that point. And now we're on the other side of Celebration and now we're across the street. So it's really great that you guys will be there. Like, it's one of those things that, you know, I, of course, during COVID, I think we we're all like, oh my gosh, like we can't see people as much. We can't hug people. And, you know, if you're like me and like physical touches your love language, it's like extra terrible. Um, but being so isolated, you know, up north away from everybody, like, it was such a different experience. It was like so much harder than being down here and being like kind of isolated. Cause at least here, like if I wanted to like see you or see Anna, even during the times where we're like, it's not safe to like hug each other or like be unmasked, at least we could like see each other across the yard, like masked and like have a conversation. But it's like up there, it's like, we didn't know anybody. So it wasn't really safe to take that risk with anyone. Um, so it was just very isolating, like very, very lonely. I was super depressed, like majority of the time we were up there, but it's wild just how like knowing people are nearby can make a difference. And also weather can make a difference because as soon as we got here, it's been like a 180. My mood is fantastic. I do not feel depressed. I'm just like up, up, up. And yeah, just like walking down the street, seeing like blue skies and palm trees and like knowing like your friends are nearby, even if you can't see them in like the most normal ways that you normally would is still super amazing. Plus I'm super excited obviously to be back because all of the kiddos are just like growing so fast. Like you don't see a kid for like six months and they're like a new person. Yeah. I mean, you know, truly. Um, I, I definitely wanted to chime in on the point about education and like the, the differences between this year and last year in terms of them adjusting i know um the school in which my daughter will be at will have a full-time uh mental health specialist <laughs> basically to help deal with um some of the things so just people who have kids yeah. uh look into the resources mm -hmm. that are available if your child is struggling if you're sending them back in person and first for the first time after 18 months definitely look at the resources that are available to you through your yes. district or if you're in private or a charter like see what is available because there are that's what the grants were for that's what the money was for yes. for the education system yes. to put this stuff in place and a lot of places have if florida has done it which is then they're still trying to actively yeah. murder everyone every day here but yeah. they still care about our mental health and like our ability to like strive as, as humans if we do survive uh yes. if that's available here i am sure it's available in your area so i definitely want to encourage working parents entrepreneurial parents who may be a little bit stressed about how this has affected your kid um take advantage of that information that those opportunities while they're available because they won't be for a long you know we're still going to be in no, the pandemic and that gonna, stuff's going to disappear yeah. so take advantage of it now if they need extra tutoring look into that of course again the mental health resources are going to be invaluable because 
even if your kid was in school every last year, it's still like, it's still stri- like, you know what I mean? It's just a pandemic. It was not fun. Mm-hmm. It's not a fun time for anybody. So. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. Cause I thought that like John was going to be the only interventionalist teacher at his school. Cause like, you know, this is a new position. I don't really know what's going on. And there's actually 11. They were like, bring school, the squad great. in. And they are all like veteran teachers who've been there for 10 years or more. And they're all teachers that are known for like, not only yes, getting good testing results, but they're teachers that are known for um, like the kids having good connections right. with. So the type of teacher that a kid would feel comfortable saying like, you know, I really don't get this or, you know, I'm just having a bad day and I just don't even think I can focus on this right now. Like they wanted teachers that like could deal with kids that are going through things um, instead of just one that's like results driven, you know, cause that's not like the point because it's not just about like, just you know a number at this point it's about like some of these kids like are you know like socially like having issues because they're you know some of these kids are afraid like he's had students that are afraid to come back in the classroom because they're just like this this was a scary time and like I don't want to be around people and like you know I've gotten so used to like being super isolated so it's like you know, they're there to kind of deal with all of those uh, different issues. And again, his school has 11 of them, which his school is not um, a huge school. So I was surprised to hear that. So that's good. That means that other schools probably have like, you know, an appropriate amount for their school, not just like, because before, whenever you had like a teacher that like was did special stuff and was like a resource teacher, you'd have like one for the right. whole school. <laughs> so I was I was glad that it was like oh like and I knew that he would do. I was like if anyone could do it, it's you. Like you would you would knock it out of the park. But to hear that he there's eleven of them, I was like oh this is awesome. You guys are gonna really like be a great team and a great force within the school for kind of helping everybody just kind of get through this this year so yeah and we don't know if it's going to be you know we don't know if this position will be available next year and like what we just don't know what what things are going to look like but you know we're just trying to get through it day by day but if you need help please (laughs) ask for it like make sure that you're letting communicating with the teacher at your school to be like what resources are there for my child because I think everyone's going to have some extra things that they can do this year which is good Um, speaking of, you know, this year and moving forward into, we're at the end of summer now, uh, we're moving into fall. So we're prepping for our fall lines. Um, now that I'm home, I feel like I can do like the physical prep that I want to do. I've only really done like prep on my labels and stuff like that because I've not wanted to, um, pour anything and then have to move it, you know? But that was like the first thing I did was when we got our address, I ordered very large amounts of wax and jars. So whoever like is our post office person, they're probably like, what a weirdo. Um, But yeah, basically starting this weekend, I'm starting to pour. I have to work on an order for a child's birthday party. And then I have two wholesale orders to work on first. And then I'm going to work on pouring the fall line. Um, So yeah, so for me, I'm thinking uh, end of August is when I'm going to be announcing like what scents there are. But I will say that there are some scents that were bestsellers that you'll see back from last time. So we had like a thankful uh, candle that did really well. People really love that scent. It sold out really fast. I didn't really buy that much for it because I just didn't like, I didn't think it was going to do as well as like spooky stuff, but people were like very into it. Um, And I think what's cool is you can kind of give it to people all season. Um, So yeah, that's definitely coming back. We have a pumpkin scent coming back, of course, because you know that I freaking love pumpkin. And if you were wondering if 
I am decorating as I unpack? The answer is yes. Because to me, August 1st is when you decorate for fall. It's when you do the fall overlay and then you add more stuff September 1st. So yes, as I unpack, I am unpacking my fall. I like how she said September 1st. It is August 11th. Um. (laughs) Yeah, August. So August 1st is like, you know, it's like your fall like overlay. Like you put like the first little (laughs) fall things, like just like a hint of fall. And then September 1st is when you do like full Halloween. You and the Melissa's of the world. (laughs) I am tired of your fall supremacy. And I love fall, but you guys are like August 1st. And Melissa has had this mug out. (laughs) Yeah. It's like August 1st is time. It's time. And like, you know, Disney just had their first. They did. I did see Disney has pumpkins and shit yep, out they're and about. ready to go so i'm ready to go that's how i do my holidays like disney and then you know the day of like as soon as halloween is over november 1st you do the switch at night and then it's boom it's christmas so Ooh, you children know, i'm okay. ready i'm and the fact that i get to do i'm like i'm home and i just get to like oh set up all my holiday stuff like i'm so excited as we're like Figuring out how the living room's gonna like work, I'm like, where is the Christmas tree gonna go? I'm so excited. Friends, how did <laughs> we have some listener questions? I will, I refuse to, to give in to this foolishness. I'm gonna start dropping Halloween stuff up at your I house now. Literally, that I'm would the not again. be surprised. <laughs> I would know exactly who it is. Um, you would. I'm not gonna put my name. I would know. I would know who it is. Who else is gonna be pumpkin? When you see a pumpkin on your front porch, you're gonna be like, "This girl got to go. (laughs) Got to leave." So, listener questions: Uh, When you have an overflow of potential clients, how do you find people to refer them to? And I think this is a good question for the beginner entrepreneurs, for the most part, uh, because COVID is kind of hindered the ability what we did was go outside like we were in events we did a lot of networking and really gotten to know a lot of our favorite entrepreneurs who are friends you know so we are able to see what they do and outsource that work with them so i would say find people who are in your industry and also outside like close like neighboring industries so if you are a graphic designer you want to meet videographers you want to meet photographers you want to meet audio engineers you want to meet printers uh you need to meet web developers those are the people that you want to have in your arsenal so that you can actually a bid packages that include the the things that you don't do or when you get clients who ask you for that information you just send over the information of these people that catalog be on twitter be on tiktok depending on what your industry is i see a lot of service-based providers are getting together like wedding uh, vendors um that type of thing are on tiktok so maybe getting on tiktok getting on linkedin joining groups facebook groups so you really need to take advantage of the spaces and places that are available right now that are online slack groups get to know people talk participate in chats participate in events like just show up to conferences and hang out in the the digital lobbies because a lot of the conferences now have use software where you have kind of like a going chat all the time you can go in there and start hanging out and talking to people and maybe doing lunch club, which is something David has done a few times where you randomly are selected someone who matches up to you to hang out for an hour during a lunch period. And that's a good way to meet other people. So I think virtually those would be my options. I don't think you can refer people without knowing people. You know what I mean? It's just like you're able to verify the body of work, verify the person's 
response, like dependability and how responsible they are as a, as a vendor when you talk to people and get to know them more often. And also test projects with, like, if you want to do something for free and, like, you guys are trying to maybe cross-promote your services, this is a good opportunity to know if someone you know is good at what they do by saying, hey, if I design a landing page, can you develop it and we can promote our sale or whatever you know what I mean figure out some ways to collaborate through that so that would be my my main resources but once you're allowed back outside uh (laughs) go to events go outside and meet people because that is really a valuable resource there are people we met 10 years ago that we still maybe once seen you know especially since now we haven't seen in two three years and we still refer people who come into our inbox to those people so I definitely recommend doing that I think that's pretty much perfect advice. Like I co-sign all of that. I would also say like, if you have, if you work like in an industry that is like date specific, like the wedding industry, um, a lot of times there will be like online groups for like local vendors. Um, So one thing that you can do, like if somebody inquires to you about a specific date and they're set in on that date and they're looking for a photographer, then you could go in and you could say, Hey, you know, somebody looked, you know, came to me, this is their budget. This is, um, where their venue is and the style of wedding that they're doing. They came to me because my style is light and airy and they're looking for a package that's around this price. Is anybody available that day? And you can get a list. Like normally when you do this, you will get like 10 people, right? And so you can always do that and then share that with like the client, but just let them know like, I went into a private group to do this and get this list, but let them know that like these aren't necessarily people who you have personally worked with or whatever, but you're just getting them a list of who's available for that day. But like I would, the way that I always do it is like the people that I know or that I like, actually I'm like, yeah, they're amazing. I'll put like those top three at the top and say like, these are the people that I would recommend. And it would be like Missy Miodo photography and whoever else. And then like afterwards it'd be like, these are also people that are available on your day who I have not personally worked with, but they're all available on your day and seem to have a similar style to mine. Um, and so you can go ahead and like pass that information on over to them. Um, and yeah, a lot of people find a lot of work in those groups. Obviously that's, you know, more of your day specific because then the client is limited to a specific day, but yeah, a lot of people find like, you'd be surprised, like, you know, with design and stuff as well. Like you see people will be like, Oh, like, I know I don't want to take on this design project. This is, you know, the client's looking for this style and this is their budget and, you know. So getting them a list of names if you don't already have connections. It's so much better if you can refer them to people that you know, because like you know them, you know they're going to do a good job and whatever. And again, just because you're not taking on a client at the moment doesn't mean that client won't reach back out in the future. So you might just like not take on a client literally because you have too much work. It might not be like, oh, the client's a bad fit or anything else. It just might be like, oh, well, you're looking for a project to be done, you know, in October and I already have three clients during that month. And so I'm going to be all booked up and I won't be able to work with you then. And they maybe can't move their time frame. And so maybe you guys don't get to work together that time, but they might want to work with you again in the future. So I think if you can give them good people that you know, like, yeah, they might end up working with that person from then on, but they also might say, oh, I really loved who I worked with but I still wanted that chance to get to work with you. And now that I'm working on this other project two years later down the road, I want to come back to you. So just keep in mind, like to let the potential client know how, you know, that person, not like all the details, but like either this is someone I trust and I've worked with and they're fantastic. Or here's a list of people that are available on your date who live in the area and have a similar style who I've not worked with. So 
All right. Second question. How do you manage constant stress from the pandemic on top of work? What a wonderful question. There is, I just feel like you just have to know that managing stress is going to be something that you're going to be doing all day, every day, all the time, right? Like it's not something that you can just like pop a pill, boom, your stress is gone. Everything is great. I think that like pandemic or not, it's something that you're going to have to continually work at. So for me, it's like I wake up and before I even get out of bed, I go to my list of like things that I'm grateful for, which is like includes like waking up that day, like, you know, John waking up, Valkyrie waking up. um, And I just list out all the things that I'm grateful for. And then I set my intentions for the day of like what I hope to accomplish like who I hope to help and whatever. So that really just gets me like in a good mindset for the day. And then one of the first things I do is just slowly move and stretch my body. Um, again, I pretty much like roll out of bed from my after my gratitude list. And then it's just like, okay, slow, quiet stretches. Sometimes I literally have my eyes closed like the entire time I go through my little like, it's like my sleepy yoga routine, right? And so this really just gets me in a good headspace for the day. Um, and then throughout the day, a big thing for me is just walking away from the things that you can walk away from that stress you out. Because obviously, we all have things that you know, you, you can't just like, peace out from your kids, say goodbye to your job, like, sometimes these are not options, right? But a lot of the things that we let stress us out are like, BS. Like there are literally things that we do not have to deal with. And I, I mean, even like stuff like stress from our parents, stress from a friend, like if it's not constructive and it's not, you know, it's just like people looking to be messy, like that's, that's just not your responsibility to deal with. Um, and even as a parent, like it's okay for you to say, like, I cannot deal with you right now. Like you need to just do your iPad for 20 minutes or whatever. And I'm going to come back when I've taken a breather and I can deal with you or to tell your spouse, like, Hey, I need you to tap in because I need to go like cool off for a minute and de-stress. And then I can come back and handle the situation. Um, and even again with work, like most of us, I shouldn't say most, a lot of us are lucky enough to be working from home right now. Um, which means that it's like, you know, nothing is as important as just like our, our health. Right. So if you need to take a moment away from the computer, away from what you're doing, and de-stress and then come back when you're feeling centered, do that. And again, just know that like, that's something that's going to happen from time to time. And the more you can take a moment, even like before you like feel like you need to, like it's better to take that moment before you get to that breaking point and take those moments throughout the day, than like get to that point and do it if possible. Sometimes you, you can't help it because some, somebody's done something and you're having a very hard time like not reacting to it. But I think that if you, you know, beforehand, before even getting into the situations, if you can give yourself a moment to de-stress, especially if you're going, if you have a difficult client, a difficult person in your life, and you're going into a conversation with them, kind of saying before that meeting or before that interaction, okay, I'm going to like get really level-headed. I'm going to do something, maybe do some yoga, go for a walk, call a friend that is wonderful and kind of like de-stress before going into that environment. And then just reminding yourself in that environment, like, okay, we're having a meeting. It is 60 minutes. And after those 60 minutes are up, I am out of here and I won't have to deal with this anymore. Um, So just kind of keep reminding yourself that whatever you're going through in this moment is not forever. Um, It is for a, a, you know, finite amount of time. You will get out of the situation and you will be able to de-stress after the situation as well. So yeah, just, it's, it's just, it's a constant, I think it's like a constant if you, especially if you have anxiety, but I think with this pandemic, like we all are 
have heightened anxiety, heightened stress levels. So it's just knowing every day you're going to have to work on calming yourself down, managing your stress, finding healthy ways to manage it, and committing to that as a daily effort. Pretty much. Yeah, I don't, I have no notes. <laughs> I just, I I would love to tell you to do A, B through Z. I don't do those things, so that would be a lie. Um, so just You don't... totally had a stressful day the other day, though, and I think you handled it really well. So, like, what did you do? Did you just kind of say, like, there's nothing I can do to control the situation? I am so very gonna... much a person of, like, I do the best I can, and if I can't do anything else, then... What oh well yeah. like what can i do yeah. about it um no i was stressed no, it was stressful for three days i just i just have stress <laughs> and then i <laughs> try not to die and then it, i'm like well hopefully we this doesn't result in an emergency room visit and if it does whoops i didn't mean to um but really I, yeah i think it just try to be try to do your best is the at the end of the day you can only do the best you can do as a human being you cannot control corporations you cannot control the government you cannot control other people which i think more people need to understand you cannot control what other people do and the the sooner more people realize that is the sooner you will be less mad because i i understand the anger behind a lot of things i get it i'm a human being who is disappointed by a lot of people however i'm not gonna lose sleep over what other people choose to do because people will choose to be selfish at the end of the day they only care about themselves and what's interesting to them and whether or not it's fact-based or fiction-based, that's not my issue. I cannot control and change someone's opinion. I will not fight with people outside in the streets. I'm not going to fight with you on the internet. I'm not going to stalk you. I'm not going to get into debates. It's not It's not for me. It's not my ministry. Uh, best of luck to you, and I hope all, everyone ends well, and I'll do my best to keep my people safe and do the best that I can to the people that I care about and, and humanity, <laughs> myself. But I can't control the people, so I think that's what's happening is with the pandemic. There's just so much stress about being upset about what other people are doing and like you can't do anything about it i am so sorry it is frustrating but that is should have been a takeaway from last year and it's bleeding over into 2021 and i think more people are just really struggling with the fact that they can't do better like people won't do better and i get it i get the frustration again but i just when 180,000 people decide to go outside and, and watch musicians play during the height of a pain i don't like what else can we do what can you do what are you what are you gonna do and if there's nothing you can do there's nothing you can do so you just well do your yeah best. i think like last year people were stressed because people were like i'm not gonna wear a mask and this year they're stressed because they're they're still like, not wearing not a mask back- and i'm not gonna get well, vaccinated. because now they're like i'm not gonna get vaccinated but the thing is is that last year they told us they're not gonna get vaccinated so when people tell you things you just have to believe oh my them. word the lesson, even if you the think it sounds lesson. outrageous you just have to say oh well they told me last year they said i'm not gonna wear a mask i'm not gonna get va- vaccinated and the, like i think people thought well once the vaccines come they'll change their mind um but they didn't when people um, so, tell you who they are, believe them. Believe that is them the such a life yep. lesson. Mm-hmm. Like Maya Angelou said, yeah. People tell you who they are, believe them, and don't blink and don't change. Don't just know who they are. People will tell yeah. you. And I think as humans, we so often think we can fix people, we can change people's minds. And you may be able to do it every now and again, but you will waste a lot of your time and your opportunities to help other people who actually need your help. I'm just yeah 
that that Agreed. is my end of day but yeah try try to do things like i mean i always am a big believer in moving your body please move your body go outside if you're inside you don't want to go outside buy equipment do what you gotta do there's youtube there's a girl who I, walks on youtube i don't know what it is about her bubbly self and this cute little white dog but i will walk for 90 minutes watching this girl on youtube do random aerobic moves that to me make no sense but it's 90 minutes of walking if i don't feel like going outside because it's 105 degrees outside okay you gotta share that in the notes yeah i think it's like like life i will put the link in that she's really cute like she got a baby and the only thing she during the pandemic and she's like the only thing i can do is walk and so she just started walking and doing like random stuff like arm nothing it's it's the easiest but when i am at my like i don't want to lift this kettlebell i don't want to do anything i don't want to go outside i want to go lift weight i will walk with this bubbly person who doesn't say anything it's complete silence and just music that is all I need. That's my ministry. So I'll put a link to her stuff in the, in the show notes because she's really cute looking. And the dog is in every video. And I just look at the dog the whole time because the dog does not move unless she takes a water break. <laughs> and then the dog is like, water break, I'm up and I'm going. And I'm like, bet. This is, this is a gem. So yep. um, I think our last question was, where should I look for investors? And so... This is a, it, first of all, it just depends on what type of business you have. So I would love to say go to XYZ Place. And this is where you'll find all the VCs in the world. And the reality is that's not really true. But one thing that is common for almost all businesses that do seek investors early on is the family and friends round. It is obviously more reliable when you come from wealth or you come from money. Um but if you are in your 30s, most of the time you have a career that's sort of, you've, you've been around the block, you know people, you've networked, you can reach out to the people who are around you and pitch your idea and you would be surprised at the people who are willing to believe in you and invest in what you're doing. And I think that is probably where you start, po- number one, you're not going to become a, a billionaire, you're not going to get Mark Cuban to invest in your business overnight without having that fan friends and family around. You have to have a tested proof of concept before you approach VCs and larger companies or or other angel investors and that type of thing. So I think from the first thing, have a good pitch deck and go out and talk to the people who are in your network. And when they say friends and family, obviously it's very obvious. Like these people are willing to give you money so they are your friends. Uh, And they may not be. It may be somebody you work with, like your old boss. May have loved you so much, and he's like, "Oh, this is a cool idea. You're amazing. You got a great work ethic. Of course, I'm gonna give you a grand, two grand, three grand, five grand to get started on this thing that you want to build." So, I think that's the most important thing is to a have a good pitch deck, have a good get your numbers in order, yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. reach out to the people in your network. Host a lunch and learn, host a dinner, um, and some and some things that you know, we're working with some clients who are doing that stuff, like have a little cocktail party dinner, invite a couple of people, your VIP, maybe the people you think who are most likely to invest or ask your friends, do you know anybody who's an investor who's invested in businesses? Is your uncle, like everybody has like a rich relative apparently who's invested in a bunch of, of, of businesses. Maybe reach I out and I was just going to say, my uncle has done that. So. Yeah, and maybe reach out and see if that person is available or their spouse or maybe even the, the friend that you have. Just have a bunch, you know, not maybe a bunch because we're in a pandemic, but have 10 to 15 people come hang out with you on a deck somewhere outside and pitch your thing at an event and then see how it goes and then give people the opportunity to. That's going to be my first response. I just don't, 
if you're at a point where now you're willing to go after angel investors and VCs, I feel like you know where to go. I don't think you want to know where to go for me on this podcast. I think you know how to hit up like the Arlen Hamiltons and everything who invest in, in companies. You, you find the VCs, you find the angel investors, but I think if you're starting out, maybe a restaurant concept or maybe even like a franchising opportunity maybe you have a product that you want to get developed overseas that type of thing you need to go to friends and family first yeah I completely agree I think like if you first of all you have to have a really strong pitch deck like you said you have to know let them know like what is is exactly happening how much money you're exactly planning if they're investing how much they can assume to make like you need to have all those figures like really thought out Um, but yeah, I think that like pitching to people, you know, and you might be like, well, no one I know has a lot of money. That's fine. But people, you know, know people with money, like everybody knows somebody has money in it. And sometimes it all only takes that first like in, you know what I mean? So for me, like I, like none of my businesses have required that I get like huge startup funds, but if they did, I would immediately reach out to my uncle who lives in Miami who gets, you know, together with a few of his friends every like six months or so. And they have a whole bunch of businesses pitched to them like they're in Shark Tank. And then they decide who they are going to uh, invest in. And this is something that like one of them puts together. And essentially, like, if you want to get in, you just contact one of them and say, hey, like, you know, I have an idea I want to, you know, go. And so it's like, you're not only pitching to him, but you're pitching to like, however many of his friends. And so you know, just kind of gets you in that room. And so it's like, to me, if somebody came to me and they had a really amazing idea and I was like, wow, this is great. I wish I could invest in this. I don't have the money to invest in this. I would then give them my uncle's contact information, you know? So like, no, I don't have money. But again, I know somebody with money. And I think that everybody has someone, it doesn't have to be someone that they're related to. It could just be someone that goes to their church or, you know, somebody just, you know, someone that they've worked with or whatever that is going to be somebody that they can reach out to. So when you're kind of going this route, and I think in entrepreneurship in general, uh, and, you know, if you're starting a nonprofit, anything like that, you're going to have to get used to um, pitching yourself and asking for things. So, you know, just kind of get out there. I know that it's kind of hard because you're like, oh, I don't want to like ask friends and family. But if, if again, if it's a good idea and whatever, they're either going to say, oh man, this is great. I wish I could invest. I can't, but here's some advice, you know, here's maybe somebody else to go to, um, or they're going to invest. Um, so yeah. So if if it's a good idea, people will invest, like people invest money a lot. And one thing I've learned about rich people is how much money they like just give away and invest and like spend on things. It's just wild to see these checks that they dish out for ridiculous stuff i mean rich people give so much money to politics oh my gosh like so i'm like if they can give it to a politician they can give it to you so go ahead and make that ask yep i think that that pretty much covers i won't even get into how people spend their money but i think uh (laughs) for a main focus of today's episode we want to talk a little bit about succeeding without being the base of your business um which is more common, if not, than you think. I really have noticed this with um, local Orlando restaurants. <laughs> there are certain people who are like, who hopefully we'll have on the podcast who are very out and about and proud about owning some of the restaurants, but some of these groups uh, that are owned by certain individuals, you can't find any information nope. about these people. But these nope. restaurants are successful and, they, and they, they thrive or whatever and they keep opening them. Um, so that is one 
area in which I've noticed a lot locally in terms of like and these real estate groups who are buying up real estate is that there are a lot of you know investor related businesses where people just kind of like I got my money but I'm backing off and you'll never know about me and I'm a ghost but (laughs) these things succeed yeah and like even earlier on this year um like we had Ashley on Ashley Connolly who you know owns Wander and Lust Jewelry and she doesn't really do a lot of stuff like like it's rare that she did the podcast appearance. Like she doesn't do that sort of stuff. She's not the face of her business. If you look through her social media, like you don't see her, but she has a six figure plus business. She has a um, business location downtown where her employees work and she has like multiple employees. So it's like, you know, she's really like has gotten a lot of success kind of in a short amount of time. I mean, it's been like, um, I think six years. So it's not like, like, but, but I mean, she pretty much got to that point, like three years in. So it's like, it's definitely something that happens, but I think that because of the rise of the influencer, like we don't think that it happens that way. We think like, oh, well you have to become a big influencer. And then after that you like drop a line, which we see influencers drop lines for different things all the time. And of course that is definitely a way to get, uh, you know, to get successful. And I think that it's covered a lot. Right. But people don't necessarily look at the other side of things and you definitely can be successful without being the face of your business. And I think that also like with, you know, the pressure with like, um, Instagram to like make reels and to like always have your face in every like third photo and like things like that. A lot of people are just like over it and they're like, I just want to do like my business side of things. I don't want to do that side of things. If you love like connecting and you love that side of things and that's great a lot of times I do sometimes I don't and you can it's very clear like it's very clear in my Instagram when I feel like connecting with people and when I don't but when I do love it I I love it and so you know I'm happy to do it but a lot of times people are just like I just want to have my brand and like not do that that's why you don't really see a lot of photos of me involving kismet and charisma stuff because I want to not have to like be on all the time for that, you know? Um, so yeah, so I think that the first step is having a really strong brand identity. Um, and so making sure that there's that like consistency in your brand identity, it's clear what your brand is, because again, if you're not your brand, right. If you're not like the face of your brand, if you're not an influencer that is pushing your brand, then you need to make sure that your brand has a very identifiable, um, market. And then it's very clear upon just a first look, whether it be your website, your storefront, or your social media, it needs to be clear who that's for. Oftentimes when somebody was, is an influencer, the brand is kind of created with someone who looks like them in mind, right? So it becomes very simple. Like you look at the influencer and you're like, oh, they're kind of like this. So the brand is for people that are kind of like this. But if you're removing that element of it and you don't have that face, it just needs to be very, very clear who it's for. Because I think that I'm seeing a lot of people have very confusing brands like coming up lately. I don't know if it's because a lot more people are just starting businesses or what. Um, but yeah, have a strong brand identity first, first and foremost. And that that could include having other models in there who, you know, are pushing the product or it could just, you don't have to have models at all. Like it's definitely not necessary to have, but having a product or, um, a line or products that have a very clear, like, this is what they're about. This is who they're for. This is the type of copy we do. This is the type of feel and vibe of the brand. Like that needs to be super, super, super strong. Yeah. I think the problem now with today's 
new entrepreneurs that they do understand that visually appealing things sell better <laughs> to, to today's market. And so they understand the, I, the the visual side. Like they know somewhat for the most part what it looks like to have a cohesive visual identity. However, branding is not just a pretty logo. It's not just fonts. It's very much like you said, the tone of voice. Um, and I should be able to, to read copy and know that it's certain companies or what you do or whatever. And it should be consistent and not up and down throughout every post. And I don't think people, a lot of people think about that. They're just like, oh, well, my grid looks pretty. <laughs> if I read your captions, they're a mess. You know what I mean? Like, so how can we figure that out and get that cohesive and make sure that it makes sense? And also how you stand out, because I think what's happening also is that a lot of brands are popping up and they all have kind of the same aim structure, some and some uh, arch logo, logo with words in a circle, flower thing. And color palette is tan to blush. <laughs> and that's it. I don't care what, I don't know what they sell. I don't know what they do. All these brands look the same to me. They all do the same thing. Cause I just look at it. And I'm just like, I don't know what this is. I don't, I don't care. I'm so sorry. I'm not invested. Cause it looks like five other things that I saw because that's what, is popular and visually appealing on social media. Does that translate to sales? Most time, often not. I know a lot of people who have really good social media, like you've said several times, but obviously cannot convert that beautiful feed into actual sales because who, what is the product? Yes. Sometimes people don't even like, they won't even read the caption because they're like, oh, I just follow this one for the aesthetic. Yeah. So oh, nine times out of 10, most people because, just want to scroll yeah. and feel peaceful. And honestly, that neutral color palette is visually appealing to your eyeball. So it's nice to scroll down and see brown and tan and blush up and down, you know what I mean? Whatever, coral. But like, I don't know what you sell. I don't know what you do. I don't know anything about you. Just so visually it's appealing to my eye. So it's honestly working on creating a brand that has that is impactful, that is meaningful, that means something and that you actually have a message to come across that is appealing and catches someone's eye. And they're like, oh, what is that? I'm interested in seeing what that is. I want to know more about it. And it can still visually be beautiful. Like you can, those things can all exist in the same space. And I don't want people to be deterred from that. It's just taking the opportunity to, to find out what's unique about you and your product. If you are not physically going to be the person who's saying, I am unique and this is why you should buy this product, which is fine. Just why is the product unique? Like, why should I buy this body butter and not the other one? Why should I buy this necklace and not the other one it's there has to be a story or something behind it and a lot of times I feel like businesses who have are cause driven more often than that for me are more appealing because they talk about a mission and to me that's interesting and that's where I'm like okay I don't need to I mean I, it's nice to know but I don't need the face of the entrepreneur in every photo but I know if I buy this this money's going to go towards this you know what I mean or this is bought of materials that are clean or organic or cruelty free or whatever it is I'm more willing to spend my money on that because it aligns my values so making sure that your values are very very upfront and well known in how you're presenting your product and your business as well next step would be having really clear campaigns um so just like that's just letting people know essentially like what you're selling and when you're selling it and being clear with what is going on in the actual campaign. Because a lot of times nowadays they're like extremely messy. It's hard to keep up with. And you have to think like your target, like customer or client is seeing so much stuff probably on the internet. So if you're not like clear with what's actually going on with like your offerings, then they're not really going to know like 
what's going on. So to me, if I see a brand that I really like and they're like, hey, you know, we're dropping new merch this Sunday at 6 p.m., get ready. And then they let us know like what the merch is. I understand like sometimes you want to keep some things, um, you know, like under wraps and that's totally fine, but give us like a hint of what's coming. Um, because it's like, if not, then I'm like, well, I don't even know what it is. And so I don't care. Like I don't have the time to like write this down. Like it's whatever, but let us know like a little bit of like, Oh, this is going to be, you know, the fall lineup. It's going to be super spooky. It's going to be, you know, whatever it is and kind of sell that there and then follow it up with dropping on time you know, just being consistent with those deadlines and stuff and that sort of thing. So people know like what to expect. Um, Cause yeah, a lot of day, a lot of times I feel like campaigns now are just very like, I don't really know what's going on with them. And I'm like, you know, there are shops that I like and I'm like, Oh, your shop has a lot of cool stuff, but it has like maybe 200 items in it. And I really, really, really want to buy 10 of them. Right. And you're telling me that a drop is coming up and it's kind of at an inconvenient time and I don't know what you're dropping. So I'm probably not going to be able to, you know, go out of my way to make that. Right. Um, And I know that a lot of shops are doing that nowadays. They're kind of like doing a drop and hoping to sell everything out. So it's like, if that's what you want to do, make sure that your campaign is clear and people know what you're offering. If there's going to be a discount that make sure that that's clear, what time things are happening and all that good stuff. Yeah. And also, yeah, with the discount thing, cause that can be really like people will be like 10% for this, but blah, blah, blah. Like just be clear with what you're, what you're, you know, what you're selling, what you're giving away, what um, the discount is, whatever, just make it clear. Don't make it complicated, make it clear, make it cut and dry. Um, because it's just, you know, consist like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? where things are very, very clear. I don't know. The word is, is lost on me, <laughs> but <laughs> just make it clear. Concise, it's just precise. Clarity, clear. clarity. Okay. That's, yeah, clarity. I feel like, you know, we, we see so much and we're just like, you know, left and right, just everywhere you look, blah, blah, blah. So much information. There's no clarity. Um, so make sure that you're coming through with that clarity and saying, here is what the, the reason why you should tune into the sale is because this is what's happening. Here is the time. Here is the whatever. Like, don't make it a secret. This is like the people are following you for this information. So making it secretive, you know, too secretive doesn't make sense. It's the people that will show, like, for example, um, a local brand here, um, Lost Bros, they come out with like a new t-shirt every Monday and they tease it the week before. And so people see it and they get excited and then they end up selling out like almost every week. Um, so if you have a product like that, you're about to drop, like show it, if it's going to be a whole line, you don't want to show the whole line. You want to surprise people. Okay. But at least show one thing from it so that people are excited about, and they have something to look forward to. Because to me, if I see, you know, a bag or whatever it is that I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm so in love with that. Then I have, there's a lot better of a chance that I'm actually going to set a timer for that or set an alarm and actually like make sure that I'm there to buy it before it sells out or whatever. Um, but yeah, if it's just like, you're just dropping random stuff and you're not really telling people when, and you're not being clear with what it is that you're dropping, then people, you're not giving people anything to be excited about. So just make sure that your campaigns are actually getting people excited and actually sharing information and not just like, we're going to have something come out, but we're not going to tell you what it is. And we're going to have a deal, but we're not telling you what the deal is like, make things clear and show up with clarity. Yeah, I don't, I feel like I'm such an elder person where that 
that whole thing. I don't, I don't know when like trendy brands sell things. Like I still haven't bought roller skates because I feel like I never know when Impala skates drop skates, and then when they do, it's like a random day where they're I don't all have time. everything's sold um, out. Yeah. So I, I that's not for me, my spirit. But for those who are successful in doing that, the reason why Impala skates works is because they're consistent. They let people know. They do send an email when their drops are are going, but it, you have to be ready and stay ready to be ready, etc. Um, so like Christmas said, just being consistent. And I don't think a lot of people actually know what a campaign is. So I think that really where it's coming back from is like the the marketing one hundred and one information a lot of entrepreneurs don't seek that out um and so because it seems outdated or it seems ridiculous because a lot of it doesn't really focus on the digital space but those primary things those primary uh ideologies do apply to the digital space you just need to know what they mean so i think a lot of people just don't even know what it means to put together a cohesive campaign they don't know what they're doing just like i have a a product i want to sell it and sometimes you're so successful early on where you're like okay i get it and then you just want to keep doing it the way you were doing, which is just randomly dropping new things and hoping that it sells out really quickly without letting people know, without having an email list, without having a website, uh, that type of stuff. And so I think people need to really go back. And once you have kind of traction and you have an audience, is refining your process so that you can streamline, so that you can be successful and have more longevity. Because short, popula- popularity is very fleeting. Um, you can be People can be really interested in something in a product for a short, like, Example would be Four Rivers. <laughs> I'm going to use a local example because I can't. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with the, the person who owns Four Rivers, but locally, that was a thing. For 10 years ago, that was where everybody was like, oh, I'm going out to eat. This is where I am. Uh, you know, over expansion time, over lack of clarity in marketing, really no new products. Um the latest thing that they've done that was interesting was a collaboration with one of the local coffee vendors. And I thought that was pretty cool, but for the most part, it's just like I get popular and then I blow up and I am, I am. And so people have moved in the area. They don't know. They're not interested to them. It's like a big chain. You know what I mean? Like they don't have interest. And so they avoid it. And so whether or not the quality has gone down, I do not know, but it's just like, you have to do something to consistently, market to new people and there are always going to be new people online and new audience members and people who you've never seen you or know your your story your product so while it's important to be loyal to your fan base always to continue to sell products you have to continue to innovate and be interesting and like you said just have clarity and, and precision about what you're doing and not spending a lot of money just throwing stuff on the wall or thinking you know what i mean like it, it's nice to have nice product photos but how do you convey what these products are and how long you will be selling this product and when where can people go to get it and what they should expect when they do receive it all that information needs to be thought out and put out and presented in a way that people that is obtainable in a really short you know period of time so if you're on social how quickly can you put that message out really quickly on social and where can people find more by going somewhere else so it's just those type of things I don't think a lot of people think about because it's so easy to create a shop online these days. And so they don't really think about the marketing side. So you have to think about that. So another step is consistency. Um, And this is one of those steps that it's like, it's really the same, whether you're in front of the camera or not in front of the camera, you really should be consistent either way. Um, But I think that a lot of people think like, Oh, well, I'm not in front of the camera. So I'm, I don't have to be consistent, but it's no, it's still the same thing. Um, showing up consistently is going to help you get more sales, especially if you're trying to get, 
um, to a certain level onto a certain market. And especially if you don't already have like built in word of mouth um, and a built in like customer market, then you're going to want to be consistent with um, sharing updates, sharing, you know, just your marketing ongoing, basically. Um, So yeah, that's just one of those things that it's, it's true. Consistency helps regardless of if you're in front of the camera or not in front of the camera, if you're the face of your business or not the face of your business, being consistent is going to get you more clients and more customers, period. And again, consistency doesn't have to mean social media. So I know for like a lot of people, it's like, oh, well, you know, I have to post every day and whatever. And I I do actually think that that's a smart thing to do. And I'm definitely not telling you not to do that. But I'm just saying that not all businesses are the same. So consistency for some people might mean that like continually showing up to, um, you know, ongoing clients, like that they're not working with at the moment, but making sure that they're checking in with them, sending them an email going on, you know, like your clients might be on Facebook. So going in on Facebook and liking photos of their kids or whatever it is that you have to do to show up consistently. So it's different for everyone. So it might be something for you that happens in the DMS with, um, customers of your past where you're, you know, how you doing and, you know, blah, 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 checking in on them. So, but just making sure that they're continually seeing your brand and knowing what you are offering or what is coming up for on offer, just make sure that that consistency is there. And again, that consistency can look different depending on what you do. Pretty much. I mean, you can't do anything unless you're consistently uh, doing something. And you don't have to do it in a way that obviously... Like, you don't have to be all Navy. You don't have to send three emails a day. You know what I mean? Like, or whoever else. But you, if you're going to show up once a week, then show up once a week. If you're going to show up once a month, show up once a month. Just make sure you're doing that thing consistently so people know when to expect you. Yes, exactly. Um, So having consistent customer service. So a lot of times if people are, if you're the face of your brand and like maybe everybody's just kind of dealing with you. Um, then they're of course going to know like what your personality is like and what they can come to expect because maybe they've been following you and you share a lot and whatever. But if you're like, no, I'm not the face of my brand at all. I do not want to be out there. Um, I'm putting just maybe the product out there um, and, or maybe just the service or whatever it is, but they're going to at some point have to send an email or something's going to go wrong, right? Um, That's just the nature of life. Um, So when that happens, or maybe they just have a question, you know, hey, maybe I ordered, like I ordered a candle, somebody has done this, they've ordered a candle, and they moved, you know, before candles shipped out, and it was a really tight window. And they're like, hey, can you, you know, make the switch to the new place? Sure, let me go ahead and update that address. So little things like that, if they're able to, you know, email you directly and they know you, then they're kind of going to know what to expect. But if not, they don't. So you need to make sure that customer service is consistent. So if you're hiring out like a team of people to deal with your customer service, um, you want to make sure that they really understand, you know, company policies, how you greet people, and that you're carrying that like strong brand identity that we talked about in the beginning. You need to be carrying that through your customer service. So one of the companies I think about is Uniqlo. And obviously like Uniqlo does not, it's a clothing company. If you're not familiar, um, it's a clothing company uh, from Japan. So, but they have like locations everywhere. They have a location in or, here in Orlando and Disney Springs. Um, they have them in New York and, and, you know, big cities and such. And so basically like they're very, very big on their branding and making sure that their customer service is like really consistent, whether you're shopping in a store in Japan or in California, or in New York, or Orlando, wherever in the world. Um, so one of the things that they're really big on is using two hands 
to give customers their bag. So they never will like hand you anything with just one hand. Like it's always like a two hand situation. And they even have you practice like different ways of like, whether you're handing a shirt to someone or a bag, like if you're handing a shirt to someone, they, they literally want you to kind of like put one hand on top of the other and then like give the shirt that way. Cause it kind of just shows, um, and I don't want to get like the cultural significance, like completely wrong, but it's, uh, so I'll just speak it in the very basic way. And that it kind of shows that your focus is all on that person in the moment. Right. Cause if you are, you know, giving them something with one hand and then doing something with another, that's not complete focus on them. So it's kind of like, um, kind of like a Japanese custom that says like, I'm putting all of my focus on you, the customer right now in this moment. So like people will joke around, but they say like, if you go to different like unicles, like people will try to catch one of them not doing the two hand thing. Um, but it's just like, cause it's just known that it's just a part of Uniqlo, Uniqlo's culture to do that consistently. And so that just kind of lets you know, like as the customer, like, oh, I'm always like being focused, like being put first, et cetera, et cetera. So whatever that is in your, you know, your business and your brand, you need to make sure that that's coming through, that they know how to handle whatever situation should arise with a specific way. You know that if you're going to Disney, you're getting a different customer service interaction than if you're going to McDonald's. Like, let's just be real. They're not the same customer interaction. You're not going to go into a McDonald's expecting the bathroom to look the same or even expecting like the person to drive through to talk to you the same as you would if you're going up to a help desk at Disney, right? So decide how you want to be known and how you want your customer service to be and make sure that it's consistent and that everyone you hire is carrying out that vision of your customer service. Exactly. I think it's very easy to kind of create a good experience and you don't have to be over the top as well. I think there's been some complaints about how much boutiques are like spending on like unsustainability in terms of like shipping and stuff to create a good customer experience. But it's like, yeah, it's nice to get good packaging and like fun things inside. But at what point do we not? And then at what point are you not making money? So, you know, being an entrepreneur first, you also have to think about your bottom line. Obviously it's nice to give it an extra touch, but how can you do that in a way that's sustainable and also in a way that the customer is want because if you are sending out all this stuff and you're not getting any feedback or reviews about your packaging maybe it's a good time to send a survey out to your customers and say how do you feel about the packaging people may be honest with you and say hey i didn't ask for this bag of confetti or etc you know what i mean like it's nice that you gave it to me but i asked for it. i actually would rather have it in like you know just a normal envelope with like a, maybe a sale you know flyer or something in there a sticker or something that gives me a code off i, I don't need your confetti Um, So just thinking about what the customer wants is really how you create good customer service experiences. And the only way you can do that is by collecting feedback. And a lot of people don't because they don't care about other people's opinions and they want to do things the way they want to. But you can't say that you have great customer service if you don't know what the customers want. So I think it's very important for businesses to consistently be giving opportunities to collect feedback so that you can pivot and, and make sure that you're meeting your customer where they want to be met and not where you personally as a person selling it wants to be met so definitely always be collecting feedback and look for opportunities for people to get in touch with you and having maybe small even groups to test products on or or new things so that people can give you honest feedback because I just don't think you can have really good customer service if you don't know what your customers want 
Amen to that. That is very true. Okay, so next and last thing that we're going to cover is make sure that you are getting referrals. Um, and again, this is it can be beneficial whether you're the face of your business or not. Um, but I've seen a lot of businesses that are, you know, uh, either brick and mortar, kind of like we were talking about before, like with the restaurants and that sort of thing, um, that have seen a lot of success and you don't even know who the heck owns them. Um, but like, I honestly, that's how I found so many restaurants, like in the Orlando areas that I'll be at a restaurant or a coffee shop or something like that. And then I'll be talking to like the people that work there and they're like, by the way, if you like this sort of food, you should go to this place. And, you know, lo and behold, I find out like six months later, like, oh, like four of these places are owned by the same person. I didn't even know that. Um, But it's just that word of mouth and referral while I'm enjoying something. They're telling me about something else that's similar, you know, like maybe a different theme or different um, type of food, but like a similar experience as far as like customer service and it just being delicious food. So I'm like, oh, that's great. Um, so yeah, really having referrals will get you very far. If you're working on larger scale, like, um, you know, cl- like w- working with larger scale clients that you're getting paid like thousands and thousands from one client and they're really investing a lot of time and money in you, then most likely they're going to share that information with other people because they're going to be excited about what they're doing, right? Um, And so that's going to really help you out when it comes to uh, booking new clients. Like at one point I designed a store for a client. Um, That's kind of like a big thing, you know, like that's, you know, we're, we're, we're spending a lot of time together. We're doing a lot together. It's a, it's a big investment. Um, And I didn't even share that I did that but yet got more bookings doing the same thing because of course that's something that if she has other friends that are also kind of following in that same suit of building a storefront, they're going to be like, Oh, I love your storefront who did it, you know? Um, so just making sure that, you know, you're just doing consistent good work so that there's reason for referrals to happen. Um, and kind of like we were talking about, you know, earlier, like um, if you're connecting with people in your industry as well, Um, who do the same job as you, then you can get an overflow of referrals from them. Um, So again, even if you're not the face of your business, it doesn't mean that you can't go and go to networking events and like talk to people and and that sort of thing. You don't have to like necessarily uh, be on display on social media and whatnot and, you know, to be able to do that. Um, So yeah, continue to network and that sort of thing and get referrals from people in your industry as well. Um, but yeah, if you're doing th- those other things, if you're, you know, consistent with your customer service, if you, you know, your brand is clear and all that stuff and you're doing good work, then it's very much pop- possible to have ongoing referrals from your clientele as well, um, which just, you know, I, I don't I want to say do less marketing, but it's just like less time that you really need to be in front of the camera because your work is speaking for itself and you don't have to personally um, as making yourself a brand, go out and sell it. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, don't market a lot of things. So <laughs> most of my business is referrals just because I've been around the block a lot and, and the work speaks for itself. And a lot of times people see things or know someone who I've worked with or vice versa, or just people in conversations having with years ago being like, Oh, Hey, do you still do this thing? Yeah, I still do this thing. Oh, okay. Well, I have an idea or I have somebody who was interested or whatever. So the quality of work should be long, long standing. 
And I say that because it's so easy to fall into trends because trends make money. You know what I mean? Like it's right now, I want to make a bunch of money. I want to do something. But if you put in the effort to be, to have longevity in your products or your services, people are more likely to see you in the future and want to work with you because yeah, everyone likes certain things right now, but you have to think about the future. And I think future proofing your business is a good way to, to have a business and, you know, really put the, or if you're going to have a short-term business, which is fine. Like right now, resin is really big right now. I don't know how long it's going to be in, but if you really want to make a quick buck, you want to have a resin business, it's okay to do that right now, short-term. So you can take that money and invest it in something else that's popular in a couple of years or a couple months. So think about what your goals are and then kind of apply to that. Cause obviously if you're pouring resin trays, but in three years, no one cares about that. We're back on bamboo or whatever we are on in two or three years from now, you know, people may remember your work being so good and say, reach out and say, Hey, I know you were doing this medium. Is it possible that you do this as well? And you may have switched or pivoted, or you may have the ability to do so. Just making sure that your work is good enough and quality enough where it, last long enough for it it can be a, a, pr- a proof piece of proof in the future for somebody else agreed and again all this to say that if you want to be the face of your business i think that's awesome and i think that's a good route to go and i i feel like i'm kind of like somewhere in between for myself and my businesses um but yeah there's no right or wrong way to do it you just need to make sure that Either way, you're being consistent. And if you're not going to be the face of your business, you're going to take a few different steps, obviously, than if you are the face. So I just feel like there's a lot of people that are freaking out on social media right now that are like, oh my gosh, these reels, oh my gosh, like nothing performs well unless it shows my face. And, um, you know, you do not have to be showing your face daily on social media if you want to be successful. Um, I think we've both proven that ourselves. Um, But yeah, there's plenty of people out there that are successful and they never post their face on social media. So um, that's definitely a a path that you can take. And there's nothing wrong with either path. They're both great options. Pretty much. So yeah, if that's, if you're into making reels, best of luck to you on that endeavor. Uh, let, Let us know how it works for you. I'm going to have a youth come teach me. I have made one reel for Kismet and Charisma, but I do want to start making like more reels. I've never so really Josh paid attention is on going purpose. To, <laughs> like I just yeah. scroll past them. I'm like, oh, you're selling or you're Josh anything. is going to come and teach me how to do that things. That sounds right. He's, he's, he's a, a youth. youth. He's a young millennial. Like he keeps reminding me that he's a millennial because like, I, I guess I talked to him. Like, and the other day he said to me, you know, I am not Gen Z. I am a millennial. It's like, okay, but you also are a toddler to me and you're a fetus. So, um, but yeah, I'm super excited. I appreciate his help. Mostly he's teaching it to me for the nonprofit because we are trying to get Gen Z and the generation behind. I know. I'm like that generation is already like, yeah, we're trying to get them into things, you know, for the nonprofit and we're trying to get this information to them specifically. So we feel like reels is going to be really, really important um, for the nonprofit. But since I'm learning it for the nonprofit, I have to learn it for that. I'm like, I may as well use it for my business sometimes too. So he's going to just look at me like, wow, you are so old because I truly do not know anything about reels. And I think he thinks I know more than I do. So it's going to be very fun. Well, you guys enjoy, as always, leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. You can just look up Heart 
plus sign hustle podcast and you will find uh, us <laughs> you will know which one is us and you will leave us a review and you'll let us know what you think and we will read them and we appreciate them and that is how other people find us and if you are interested in being a guest as always you can email us at hardhustlepodcast at gmail.com or you can visit us on the website look at our old episodes feel free to scroll back through any of the other 179 episodes and figure out what it is that you want to listen to and we will be back, uh, you know, we'll be back sometime. Hopefully next we'll week. We'll be back next week. But, yeah. you know, and, and I don't my know how the world's be, going. Again, we live in Florida. Who knows yeah. what may happen? <laughs> we, may we, live on Earth. we may succeed from, like, the, the country and Florida may be its own republic next week. So <laughs> The Republic tuned. of Florida sounds very scary. Terrible. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week, hopefully. Bye.